Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. the biggest blessing of my birthday was actually that I realized I was a whole year younger than I thought I was. So somehow in this year, I have just added an extra year on. I'm not exactly sure. I know the maths. I can work out how to, to add it all up. But somehow, do you want me to swap? Hello. Ooh. Is that better? Okay. Yeah, don't know what happened, but I've been given the gift of an extra year. So, come on. Uh, That is exciting for me. This year has actually been a full whirlwind. Like, when I think back to my birthday last year, we had no idea that we were on the move. We were living in Southampton, and um, pretty much everything has changed since then. And at that point, we had no idea. So... um, Yeah, it's been quite a whirlwind, but I'm really looking forward to this next year ahead. I know I've said this a million times before, but I really like um, new starts. I like September, I like New Year, I like birthdays, because it feels like an opportunity to just pause, reflect, and then look ahead again, and I really, really like that. Josh, would you just get me a drink of water, please? Um, Thank you. As it's my birthday week, you know, (laughs) I'm going to go crazy. Um, so yeah, so I had a lovely day on Friday, sat in Pinnox in Ripley with a lovely new journal that I'd got given for my birthday and it gave me some chance to reflect, which was really cool. Um, it is full on Christmas in our house now, December the 1st is my birthday, um, so I always get an advent calendar for my birthday, which is fine as long as that's not the only present. Um, and so for us, that means full on. For us, the beginning of November, there's some things when the Starbucks red cups come out. That means um, we're allowed to kind of venture in. You'll notice Josh has a few wintry jumpers that he starts to wear. But once December comes, full on Santa costumes will be in play, <laughs> maybe. Already Christmas playlists the top of our Spotify most played. And we've welcomed a new member of our family in the last couple of weeks. She's called Alexa. Our new uh, Amazon best technological friend who uh, basically we hear, Alexa, play TalkSport is about my most played um, thing. And then Jackson saying, Alexa, stop. Which is great because the thing about children is you can put things out of their reach unless it's activated by their voice and then you've got no hope. So we've had a Time. So anyway, we are in the middle of a mini-series on evangelism, and Ad spoke last week on what the good news is, and um, I'd really encourage you to uh, check that out online if you weren't here last week, because it was really good. And the thing about evangelism and talking about our faith is largely, initially, about what our faith is in in the first place. Sometimes we focus a bit on what we're talking about or how we do that, rather than actually what it is that we are sharing about. Josh next week is going to be talking about the supernatural, which is really cool, excited for that. 
excuse me, trying not to put things on iPads. Uh, and today we're talking about what is courage. And it's funny because sometimes I think it's interesting that we talk about courage in terms of evangelism. And, you know, I think we really do need to do that. But I think it implies that there's something really fundamentally wrong with the way that we view something about our relationship with God. If in our pre-marriage prep times we had a session about how to talk to your friends about your relationship with your spouse, you'd think, well, don't marry them. If that's a problem, if, you're, if it feels awkward, if there's something about um, how we explain our relationship, then something feels like there's something wrong. Um, I've had quite a week of mixed emotions this week, not just because it's been my birthday, but outside of that, the announcement of the royal engagement between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle has left me feeling quite conflicted, if I'm honest. I love the royals, and I love a good wedding, so I'm super excited. I also love the series Suits. And there's a few things, but mostly, for me, I'm concerned about what that this engagement means for the future of really my favorite series on TV. And it can't be good, that's all I say. But having watched a few of the clips of the interviews and of Harry and Meghan together, I mean, they're just so in love. It's a little bit, but they're just all doe-eyed and touchy. And when they're talking about their relationship and how they feel about each other, it's clearly the most natural thing in the world. It isn't something that is awkward. I can't imagine that, that they were, they may have been prepped about what not to say, but I don't think that they would have been prepped to talk about what it is that they love about each other because clearly it is right on the tip of their tongue and it's something that they are very much experiencing at the moment. So kind of got me thinking like what is it about sharing our faith that feels like something that that leaves us feeling a little bit sick inside and I'm not talking about approaching strangers on the street or standing on a stage in front of thousands of people or going out with a loud halo and sharing the good news but what is it that even just about having those conversations with people who are close to us can actually leave us feeling a bit concerned about that. I think sometimes we worry that we're going to get it wrong and we carry this responsibility for somebody else's faith that isn't actually ours to have in the first place. That somehow if we explain it wrong, if we, if we don't quite um, construct it well, then people are going to be left with uh, an illusion of God that's wrong and then maybe that they won't really want to accept him as a failure. And before we know it, we've got to this place where we become their Lord and Savior because we've taken on responsibility for their faith, their eternal life or whatever else. And so we, we can tend to step back and think there is someone else who is better, more well-equipped to explain this whole thing than me. And yet we see... I mean, right throughout the Bible, but through the New Testament especially, Jesus hangs out with guys who get it wrong all the time. 
And I think it's funny because I used, I, having grown up in church, I used to think that the disciples were a bunch of idiots, really. And I used to think, come on, guys. Like, surely, like, you're messing it up again. Like, ears coming off, sinking in the water, calling down, things are destroyed. Before you know it, I mean, if really they'd got their own way, who knows what, what might have happened. But what I find, what I find interesting is that those were the guys that did it. They got involved, they threw it all into the mix, and actually Jesus kept using them. He didn't take it away because of mistakes that they had made by having a good go. Recently, um, I've had a couple of really quite uh, interesting moments of conversations with uh, new friends of mine uh, about what my faith looks like. And they're both situations I've never been in before. Um, and uh, one of them is a, a Muslim friend of mine um, who I just started asking her about her faith and what, what she believed and what does Christmas, how does Christmas um, get experienced for her in her family with, alongside her faith and uh, just really wanting to connect with her. And, and in this moment, she then started asking, well, what about you? What, like, what even is Christmas? What does it, what does it mean? And um, she asked me all of these questions. And I immediately felt a slight increased blood pressure moment of like, okay. When she says, so, so we believe that Jesus is a prophet. And I said, well, we, you know, the whole Christian faith is, is really based on the fact that Jesus is the son of God. And she says, well, how is that? God, did God get married? How did he have a baby? And I thought, oh, this is a Nicodemus moment, and I really need to <laughs> help explain this. Before I know it, I'm going through aspects of the Trinity and Jesus being the Son of God. And, and what I realized was, she just said, wow, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. And actually, we were just having a conversation and I'd probably been inclined previously to put a whole load of weight onto it of like, I have to get this right. As if somehow getting it right would mean that she would suddenly have eyes opened to a new relationship with Jesus. And yet we know that really that's not true. I used to say that if you can get explained into a relationship with God, you can probably get explained out of one. And so actually what we're really wanting to do is invite people into an encounter with him but really that only works at a place where they're really looking for that and for me in that conversation we weren't doing that we were talking about Christmas but what we've done is open the door to have further conversations about our faiths and to learn from each other and I'm excited about that I'm excited about that relationship and I do pray I do pray that she experiences what Jesus died on the cross for and a relationship with God that is based on this grace that we talk about. But in the meantime, I just get to love her and share my life with her, and that's what I love. Sometimes I think we're scared about being different. You know, we know that we're different from people around us, but it's when conversations start to open up that it can feel tricky, and sometimes I think that can be because we've based our who we connect with in life largely on who we agree with and who we don't and we can say that we don't 
But it's when somebody says something that you think, oh, I really don't think that's true. And you realize that in order for the conversation to carry on, you're going to have to admit it. And that is something that I think us Brits especially struggle with. We're not very good at being very straightforward sometimes. And I have been in another conversation recently with another friend of mine who I've recently found out is a medium. Not something I've ever experienced before. And what I found was that I found myself thinking about what ifs. What if she asks me this question, what will I answer? What if this gets said, what would I say? What if I got invited to this thing, what would I do? And I found myself in all these slightly worst case scenarios and really not quite knowing what my answer was going to be. And then I found myself in a conversation where she opened up about her experience with the spiritual world. And she asked me, what's your experience of it? And I said, well, I hear from spirits too. But I'd say I hear from the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit I have a relationship with because of who Jesus is. She was like, great. We had this conversation. And she said, well, we've got a lot in common, haven't we? <laughs> and I thought, yeah. <laughs> so what I realized was, It doesn't really matter what I say. I'm not making out that our beliefs are the same. But in that moment, I got to connect. And I've opened the door for another conversation. And actually, guess what? None of those really weird, hard questions came up anyway. And I think that sometimes we feel like we've got to answer this thing, when sometimes the question isn't really the question that is really the heart's so we ask questions about suffering or what we think about this controversial issue or that controversial issue. When I think for most of us, the question is, am I loved and am I known? And we can answer that question because we know the answer to that one. The rest we can probably work out in relationship as it moves on. Sometimes I think we will not too keen on being vulnerable. Who is keen on being vulnerable? I mean, come on. It's overrated. Um, not really, not really. Brene Brown is my favorite person in the whole world. If you've never heard of her, do read her books. She is awesome. She's taken me on a whole journey of vulnerability in the last couple of years, which has been painful and freeing. So, uh, yeah, that's great. But I think sometimes, you know, we, when we talk about our faith, we're opening up the deepest part of us to challenge and disagreement and question. And sometimes that can feel a little bit close to the bone. And sometimes I think maybe that is what it is that makes us feel a little bit nervous about, about sharing our faith with people around us and it not feeling like this, this natural, natural thing. The word courage... Um, comes from the, fr or is linked in with the French word cour, which means heart. And um, it's really this kind of deep-rooted, that kind of in-your-gut, kind of that's where it comes from. But I think so often the thing that holds us back from acts of courage is actually to do with how we think about stuff. It's our brain, it's our mind that actually tells us the stories that enables us to connect with this heart thing that's going on inside us or not. 
Uh, in Easter this year, we had an amazing holiday. We went to Disney World, Disneyland, Florida, which was amazing. Josh's mum and dad took us and the whole family on a, an incredible holiday. There were 10 of us, and Jackson uh, was three at the time, and the next or his uncle, next oldest uncle, is 15. So Jackson was very much the only real child in a family of 10 at Disney. So that was interesting sight at times. Um, but I realized that I had, um, as a mum, put myself in a position where I said, look, I'm going to spend time with Jackson. You guys go off and do the rides and do the scary stuff. And I'm going to play with Jackson because... We're on holiday together. It's his holiday. I want him to feel like he's not just waiting for people in queues in a theme park. But I realized something after a few days was that I'd created this situation where I didn't have to take a risk. And I always would have been someone who, I was one of those slightly feisty young women um, who didn't need any help, would always push myself to do things that scared me, that I went through a season where I decided I would say yes to every opportunity given to me and I was wise enough at the time not to tell the leaders around me that that was the case but that I had decided that I would always say yes because I wanted to not be someone who was driven by fear and what I realized is as I've got older there are different reasons why I decided to make diff decisions differently and some of those healthy ones I don't think I am defined by being someone who has to take risks all the time. I don't think I have to do things I hate just to prove that I can. But I realized I'd positioned myself in a really safe way. And sometimes we don't feel fear because we're not putting ourselves in situations that are actually scary. And that, is, that can be the problem. So I found myself at Disney and all of a sudden, some of the guys came back from a ride. Ad said, I think you'd love this one. Do you want to come? And I got swept up in this moment and find myself five minutes later, weirdly there were no cues, sat in this one that I said I was definitely not going to do. It was called Dr. Doom something something. And it's just one that shoots you up in the air really far and then back down again and then up and down. Up and, that's it, that is it. But it's really very high. And Ad said, it's all right because you, you're worried that Dropping is going to be the thing. Dropping, it doesn't really drop you that fast. It just shoots you up really fast. And I thought, oh, up's better than down, right? So it'll be fine. Um, obviously, it's all relative. And I'm, I've learned not to trust Ad's view on uh, rides in the future. It was absolutely terrifying. But do you know what? I walked away from that moment feeling like I did that. And the next day, when Josh said, do you want to come on that ride again? I said, no. <laughs> no, I don't. But that feeling of taking a moment where you think, I actually conquered that, was really important for me. And I came back from that holiday thinking about what, it, what is it in my life that puts me in a position where I am wanting to still take risks. And I don't make life just so safe that I never feel scared. Okay, quickly we're gonna jump into numbers 13. Don't very often go straight to numbers now, do we? It's near the front, in case you're wondering. Um, when we talk about courage, Joshua is one of the first people that come to mind, I think. The Lord saying, be strong 
and courageous multiple times. To him is a verse that we, we hear a lot. Josh likes it a lot because it's a Joshua verse. But this is a story actually from before that moment. And I'm actually going to just uh, dip in and out through um, Numbers 13 just because there's a lot that we probably... Uh, some genealogies and stuff which are perhaps unhelpful about. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them and it, it details who he sent. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and into the mountains. And he goes on to explain, they're basically doing a recce, find out what the land is like, find out um, what the, um, the fruits are, find out the people, what the people are like, whether there are cities or camps. So really they're doing a recce to find out how they take this land. So they went up, they spied the land, and we get back to verse 36, and it says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and all of the congregation and the children of Israel. And they said to them, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. Then Caleb quietened the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. They gave the land through, sorry, they said the land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people who we saw are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak who came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. I love this story because I find it absolutely fascinating. Moses sends 12 people to go into a land that God is already giving to them and says, just check it out and see what it's like. 12 come back and 10 say, it's too hard, we can't do it. And two say, we are well able to overcome it. I think there's a few things that I find interesting in this in this little story tucked away in numbers. One is this line, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. How we see ourselves is really important in how we gauge how we approach any, any new or difficult situation. Sometimes we don't have courage because we don't truly have peace or confidence in who we are. And like Ad said last week, Maybe it really is just about believing that God is who he says he is and we are who he says we are. That our voice is significant. I was reading something this week about the bystander effect. The, uh, 
effect that means that in any situation, the more uh, people that we're in, the less likely that someone is to actually engage with a, a moment of emergency or they, they do all these uh, funny little experiments where they get someone to, I don't know, faint in a town centre and, and see who responds. And research constantly shows that the more people that there are, the less likely anyone is to respond to a situation. And sometimes I think the problem with downplaying who we are is that in a situation, perhaps that's just our friends, perhaps that is about how we share our faith, we step back because we think someone else is better equipped to do it. And the research says then that perhaps nobody will because we all do that together. These guys said, we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes and in their eyes. Now, I might be wrong, but I don't think that they actually asked them. I don't think there was a moment of, hey, guys, do you think we can defeat you? You know, what animal would you relate yourselves to in terms of size and, and us grasshoppers? Yep, okay, we'll agree with that. So often when we downplay who we are, we decide how other people see us. And we create moments where we say, we feel small, and they think we're small. And we put ourselves in a position where that then changes our behavior. Our perception of their opinion affects how we behave. And yet so often, and particularly in the environment of evangelism, I find that we, we're scared of these things, like, I don't know, someone swearing at us or being punched in the face by sharing our faith. And do you know what? It's never happened to me. Maybe I don't do it enough. But the reality is we don't really hear those stories because the truth is the problem is how we have decided they see us. The next is what we focus on. The guys that went into that land focused on the problem. They focused on the giants and the land and, and the things that were a problem rather than the promise that was in front of them. God had actually already given it to them. But the problem is that when something is promised, it doesn't mean that we don't have to overcome stuff to get it. And I think that can sometimes be the problem. We see um, giants in the land, and actually we question them what has really been promised to us, rather than re remembering that the purpose of this moment is to work out how we navigate the moment, not whether God has promised it to us or not. Something that Josh and I will, you'll find bang on about a lot, is about how we think. And it's not some sort of self-help kind of moment where we're like, if we just train our brain, then everything will be fine. But the reality is, that is the, the very thing that is the gateway to, to our heart and to everything that we believe. Ad said, uh, he brought out some great facts and stats last week, but one of them being that 90% of our thoughts are in fact repetitive. And so unless we choose what we think about, the tapes that play round and round in our heads get to be whatever they want to be, unless we choose what we focus on. I think it's clear in the Bible that we get to choose. It says in Colossians, fix your mind on things above. In Corinthians, it says, make every thought captive. 
We don't have to have a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. Our mind is important. It's important to God. And sometimes I think in church we don't talk about that side of things enough. But we do get the choice to think on purpose. And in order to us, for us to step out into new things or to be courageous in new things, we've got to work out how we think. So this morning, are you in a place where there's tapes playing in your head that you know hold you back, that step, make you step back from a moment of fear, that, that hold us back, that make us think someone else will do it better? Or are you in a place where maybe you need to choose adventure again and to where perhaps you've realized that you've played it safe, that you've built life around you where you don't have to step out or, or do anything scary. And I, worship team, would you mind coming back up? We're going to um, finish with a time of worship. Why don't we stand? And just as we go into this time of worship, you know, one of the things that I, I love about singing songs of worship is we often get to repeat truths over ourselves about us, about God, about our world that get to form how we approach every situation. And so this morning, if you want prayer for a particular thing if you feel like there's a mountain in front of you that you really want prayer for how to to move forward in that or if you've got some tapes playing in your head that you want to replace with something new this morning i'd encourage you to pray with someone you've come with come to the front and get one of us to to pray with you but as we move on to worship Let's remember who God is and out of that, who we are. So Lord, we thank you that you are everything that you say you are and that you have created us with purpose more than enough. And this morning we want to remember again what you say about who you are. And Lord, as you remind us of those moments in our world that feel challenging or scary that you would help us know how we step forward remind us of the, the things that we're telling ourselves that aren't from you and replace those with the truths we are loved you are well pleased and you are always there